Okay, hey, we are talking about the giants killing Goliath. How do we kill giants in our life? Um, last week, you guys did something really cool. Uh, you guys gave us the opportunity to let us speak from Scripture some things that are important to you guys. Uh, you know, so you guys wrote cards down. We kind of categorized those things. Those things are going to be coming uh, pretty soon. But tonight, we're going to talk about killing the giant of worldliness. Now, when I say worldliness, uh, what do you guys think that I mean? And that we're going to be in First John chapter 2. You can go ahead and start flipping there. So when I say worldliness, what, what am I talking about? What is worldliness? Brooks, go for it, buddy. Sin, that is a part of it. Yes, ma'am. Okay, things that the world thinks are okay, but Christians maybe do not. Yes, sir. Mortality. Mortality. Okay. All right. You guys are on the place. Keep going. I'm just going to pull up my handy dandy um, dictionary that I've got because you know I, I love I love defining words. Somebody else. What is worldliness? Conformity. Conformity. Okay. Lust, lust is definitely a part of it. Uh, some of you guys are starting to read in your Bible, which is not a bad thing. Uh, and it's hard to type worldliness with one finger. There it is. All right, let me give you the definition of what worldliness is. That way you guys will know kind of, uh, I have a little bit of a working knowledge of this word as I, as I go in. This is worldliness, basically. Concern with worldly affairs to the neglect of the spiritual needs. Concerned with the worldly affairs to the neglect of your spiritual needs. Uh, so that's what we're going to look at tonight. Uh, and realize when I say this, that worldliness is not a matter of what you're doing. Worldliness is more talking about the heart of why you're doing something. All right? And, and I'm going to show you here at first, a lot of times we think of bad things as really bad. But I want you to see that tonight, sometimes Good things with good intentions can get in the way of what you're doing with your relationship with the, with the Lord. All right, so worldliness, here it is. Um, worldliness, like I said, is basically, it has to do with activity that you're involved in. Uh, not so much the activity, but the heart of why you're doing things. Um, like, like the case in point, if, if you go and, and you see someone on the side of the road, well, let's just use this for an example. You see someone on the side of the road and you really don't want to stop, but you stop because you feel like that's the right thing to do. And the whole time in your mind, you're complaining that you've stopped to help this person out. This is the worst thing that you could ever do uh, because you're late uh, and, and those things as well. It, how's your heart in that situation? Good or bad? Yeah. But instead, what if you see someone on the side of the road and your heart is so full of joy because you've been reading scripture, maybe you just came from a church service, maybe you just came from FCA or Young Life or whatever other Christian activities that you're involved in, maybe you've got an accountability group that you go to, a prayer group that you go to in the mornings before school, maybe you just came from that and you're so overflowing with joy that you see this person on the side of the road and you're like, yes. Man, I get to put the theory into application. This is what we just talked about. Which one do you think is more obedient to what God wants you to do? First or the second? The second. Now, I will say this. There are some times when maybe you would stop and help someone out, and you're like, oh, this is horrible, and you get a blessing out of it. Now, I'm being recorded, 
And I'm going to say this. I'm actually being recorded two ways right now. You guys have me on camera and through the soundboard? Okay, awesome. Fail safe method, huh? Just in case. I see where you're stepping. All right. So uh, here, here's the thing. Case in point. Just being real with you guys. This is being recorded, so my FCA people are going to hear this. But what? Yesterday, I had a call. Monday night, I got a call and said, hey, we're having a, a coaches meeting, uh, a Bible study, a coaches Bible study at one of the colleges here in town. Man, we'd love for you to come and be a part of it. I'm like, man, okay. I really wasn't too excited about going up there. Uh, Ryan knows this because I was telling him, I'm like, man, I've got to go up to this coach's Bible study. I'm not really super excited about this. So, but I go into this office, and literally four hours later, when I finish, because it went that good, uh, I went to lunch with some of the coaches afterwards. We just had some great conversations. I left feeling overjoyed. Now, my heart was not in the right place, so I want you to know that sometimes, if you, even if your heart's not in the right place, still do it. Fake it till you make it type thing. Uh, still do it, and sometimes you're going to get blessed. All right, so it's possible for us to stay away from the bad things. I'm not going to get involved in, in that nasty stuff. I'm not going to go to this place. I'm going to try to be Mr. Goody Goody Two Shoe or, or Miss Goody Goody Two Shoe, and you know what you can still do? Still be in love with the world. So don't think, as we're talking about this, we're not talking about just doing bad things. We're talking about worldliness as something that can get into your life. So, and then we'll talk about how to slay that giant. All right, why is worldliness such a bad thing? Basically, here's what it comes down to. This whole system that we're talking about, it clouds your, your vision of what God's will is for your life. And, and I'll be honest, that's probably one of the things that a lot of you guys struggle with as much. Maybe not so much our, our, our younger teenagers that are just starting to come into the ministry, because uh, honestly, you're, you're kind of a little overwhelmed right now, like, woof. Holy cow, this is youth ministry. But those of you guys that have been walking through this for a while, you're starting to focus on what? The next phase of life. You're graduating high school in the next year or two. Or maybe if you're an eighth grader, you're already thinking like, man, I see high school in my sights. It's there, the graduation that is. But you're already starting to think about the next phase of life. What is God's will for my life? This is the question that I get asked so much from people that have sat in the seats where you are sitting right now at the stage of life you're sitting for the past seven, eight years here. Here it is. Bob, how do I know where God wants me to go to college? You're already focusing on God's will for your life. How do I understand God's will for my life? Worldliness is something that will start to cloud your vision with that. Why is that? This is why. Uh, I gave you the definition of worldliness uh, basically, it has to do, there are two things that are important. This is one, this is two. There are two things that are important when it comes to worldliness. It causes you to lose your enjoyment of God's love, and it also causes you to lose your desire to do God's will. See, those things are replaced. Scripture also says no one can serve two masters. You either love the one and hate the other and so forth and so on. You can't be in love with two masters at once. So you're either going to continue to love the world or you're going to continue to love God. If you love the world, obviously you don't have a desire to remember and focus on God's love for you. And since you don't focus on that, you have no desire to do God's will for your life. Now, I, I said this earlier, there, there obviously are many things in scripture that scripture says is wrong. Let me hear from you. What are some things that the Bible says don't do? Greed. What? Greed, yes. I thought you said pray. I'm like, ah, I, let, me look at, let me look at that again. Pray. Yeah, it says, no. Greed. 
Okay, what are some other things in the Bible that says is wrong? Yep. Steal. Steal. Murder. Adultery. Adultery, which is sexual immorality. Idolatry. What? False idols, idolatry. Yep, same. Hate. What? Hate. Hate. So those are clear-cut things that it says that you shall not do these things. And there are 200 other something commandments out there as well, too. So there are some things that aren't debatable. But now, and we're not going to get into this talk tonight because this is not the point, but I'm just I'm trying to make a point with this. There are so many things in Scripture that, you know, people struggle with. Here's one. If you're over 21, is it okay for me to drink as a Christian? I'm not looking for an answer. I'm just, say, I'm just showing you that as there are some things that are definitely clear cut. Hey, don't cheat on your wife, idiot. Uh, don't cheat on your taxes. Don't murder. Don't lie. Don't steal. Hmm. But I, I am a 21-year-old person. Can I have a drink of alcohol? I will say this. Those are things that as you continue growing, and we're going to talk about this tonight, that those are things that you will wrestle with, that you will seek out God's will for your life, your desire. But I want you to see that sometimes Scripture is clear on some things, not so clear maybe on other things from our limited viewpoint. But my point is this. When it comes to worldliness, it clouds all of our vision because we can't really see what God's will is for our life. Why? Because we don't feel like God loves us. So let me go on with this. Let me read this passage of Scripture that we have here. We're talking about worldliness. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, it says this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, three things here, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and pride in possessions or pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Now, that's our passage of Scripture. There are three things that that John says here that Satan uses, three devices in this world system, this world order. When we're talking about the world, let me first point out, you know we're not talking about the physical earth that we're standing on, right? We're talking about this spiritual system that exists, the world order. It's where sin and all these things operate. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about the world and worldliness. In this system, there are three things that Satan uses to try to steer us away. The desire of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride in possessions or pride in life. Hear this. This is not a new tactic that John discovered um, probably, I don't know, 90, 80 AD when he wrote this. I don't know exactly when, when 1 John was written, but it was probably much later around there. So around that time when he wrote this, this is not something new that he discovered. This is the way that Satan has always operated since we first meet up with him in the garden. This is the way that Eve was tempted. Listen to what it says about this. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, the desires of the eyes, I'm sorry, the desires of the flesh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, the desire for the eyes, and a tree that would to be desired to make one wise, pride and possessions, she took of the fruit and ate. All three of those show up in the, biggest, in the, in the big temptation that we see in Genesis chapter 3. So this is not something new that Satan has just started using relatively soon. Um, I, I tell people this all the time. Uh, I have the opportunity to talk to your parents at this point, your grandparents, some of your grandparents, and I have the opportunity to talk to people younger than you as well too. 
I'm going to give you a news flash. The things that you struggle with right now, the sins that you struggle with, they are the same things that humanity has struggled with their whole life. It all has to do with the pride of your eyes. I'm sorry, the, the desires of your eyes, the desires of your flesh, and the pride of life or possessions. Everything that you face today falls into one of those three categories. If not, stop right now and think, what is the thing that entangles you the most? Don't say it out loud. And here's the thing, you don't even have to think too hard because you've already started thinking about it. Why? Because Satan is going to continue to bring it up in your mind the whole time that we talk tonight. That thing that you struggle with, it fits into one of these three categories. Yes. That's why I say we are struggling with the same things that we've always struggled with since the beginning of time. It's called worldliness. This looks very appealing to us. Why? Because it's here. We see it. We can touch it. We feel it. We experience it. I don't see God. I can't smell God. I can't taste God. And I don't hear God. That's why the struggle is so real. That's why Satan uses these things. Let's look first at the desires of the flesh. Uh, The desires of the flesh, now we're not talking about the body, we're talking about the sin nature that we're all born with. In this world, and it's talking about the desires of the flesh. God has given every single one of you, and I want you to hear this, because this is where a lot of people struggle. God has given every single one of you a lot of the desires that you face right now. Let's look at them. Hunger very natural. Thirst, very natural. It's very natural to grow tired. Hello, why do you think that God said on the seventh day he rested? Not because God was so exhausted he could barely get back up on that cloud where he had just crawled from, from creating all of the earth, plus that cloud that he's sitting on he had to have just created. It's not because God in his weariness did this. No, because God knew his creation. And here's the other thing, I'm going, to, I'm going to suppose that every person in this room has gone through that phase of your teenage life called puberty. As your hormones are going crazy and you have all of a sudden all of these desires, guess what? They are 100% natural and God has given them to every single one of you. But in worldliness, we take the things that God has given, not we, in this world order system, It takes the very natural things that God has given us, and we try to appease those things in a sinful way. Hunger turns into gluttony. Thirst, drink, turns into alcoholism. Laziness, sleep, the desire to rest, turns into laziness, being a sluggard, a slouch, procrastination, That was one of those things you guys put down on your list. They're going to talk more about that later on. And here it comes. Sex. It's a natural thing. But in this world order system, it has turned it into sexual morality. We think about, well, what about about adultery? Sexual morality. What about fornication? Sexual immorality. What about homosexuality? Sexual immorality. You see what the world system has done? It's taken homosexuality and pulled it out from underneath this and put it over here. And it says, that is the very thing that we're going to attack because it scares us. But the whole time, the people that are attacking it are sleeping with someone outside of marriage. It's called sexual immorality. They're all just as evil in God's eyes. So, 
That's what this world system does. It takes these things, the desires of the flesh, and it's natural desires that we have the way that God has wired us, but the world system says, hey, it's okay. Look, man, when, when people, when, when, when in the Old Testament, in the New Testament time, when people were 13 or 14 years old, they got married. They didn't have to wait and be tempted for 10 years to deal with sexual temptation. The means has changed, but the Word of God has not changed. That's what we do now. Well, man, it's okay. You know, hey, you're hungry. It's okay. Just go work out. As long as you can shed the weight. Hey, there's something about being poised and controlled to where you can eat what God has put in front of you and not turn it into gluttony. There's something about working a hard day's work and saying, man, I need to go get a good six or seven hours of sleep. But now, trust me, I used to be your age. When the time would come, I could rock out a good 11 and a half to 12 hours of sleep like that. In the summer, poof, boy, it was like, man, it's 2 o'clock. I wonder if Bob's getting up. Not yet, I'm not. Um, and, and this is it. In the military, we used to have to, I used to have to set my alarm clock for 1245 in the afternoon on Saturdays and Sundays. Yes, I did not go to church. But on Saturdays and Sundays, I had to set my alarm for 1245. Why? Because I was a big old lazy punk that stayed up in my dorm room, snoozing in my bed, and I knew that I had 15 minutes to walk across the parking lot and across the street to go to the dining hall where I could have lunch. See, but if that's the way that you live your life all the time, there's problems with it. That's what we do. That's how, that's how this world system operates. It takes the normal things and tries to get you to do abnormally sinful things uh, with these, them, t- these temptations. All right, now, uh, let's move on. The second thing that the world system tries to do is it tries to trap us with the desires of our eyes. Guys, amen. You know what I'm talking about. And believe me, when you get 42, you don't finally get to a point where you're like, I don't notice any other attractive girls because I've passed that age. Baloney. You still struggle with your eyes. That's the way that God has wired us. Ladies, you guys struggle with it as well, too. But guys especially, guys your age sitting in this room, that is exactly why the porn industry is running rampant. Because if they can just get you to take one look, you're in. You're hooked. And I can promise you would be amazed. Ryan and I sat in a room with a guy that is well-known in our community about a month ago, and this person said, told us and some other pastors, said, pray for me that when I go home tonight that I don't look at porn. And I'm like, you're kidding me. It doesn't stop. The world system always tries to beat us down. Why? Because we are visual people. Seeing is believing, right? You've heard that before. That is who we are. The world system tries to fall into the desires of our eyes. Let me tell you a story that comes out of Scripture. Achan. How many of you guys know from Achan? You've heard Achan's sin. Anybody? Joshua chapter 7. Achan is a soldier in the, in the Israelite army. Now, let me give you a little bit. You know who I'm talking about now? Okay. So let me give you a little back history. They're, they're, they're on the banks of the Jordan River. They cross the Jordan finally after wandering through the desert, after they were there 40 years before, God's finally like, go for it, you can go in. So it's the first town that they come to is a city called Jericho. They annihilate Jericho. 
No hope for any person in that place. The Israelis go in there and they just clean house. But there's one problem. God said for them not to take any of the spoils. Why? Because that was a condemned city. Nothing. None of the gold, none of the animals, none of the women. Yes, that was a natural thing at this point. None of the kids. Don't even take the kings hostage. You go through there and you kill every person, everything, and you burn all of the spoils. Don't touch it. It's condemned. Achan didn't do that. And here's the thing about secret sin. We think, ah, I've done this in secret. Nobody knows. Nobody's going to get hurt. Sin always hurts other people as well as you. Achan, he did this. He saw some of the, he saw some of the spoils that he wanted. He saw some of the, the Babylonian garments, the silver, and this is what he said. He says, when I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment and 200 shekels of silver, then I coveted them and took them. The lust of his eyes caused him to take something that was not his. He saw it, he wanted it, he couldn't turn away from it, so he took it. Now, he took it, and he went back to his tent, because he did it in secret. He didn't just put it underneath his sleeping bag in his tent. He actually, underneath his tent in the ground, he stuck it all in there, he covered it back up, put his tent back on top of it, and why do I say that his sin hurt other people? Because the next battle that the Israelites went to was a small little town called Ai, just north of there. Like, this is like, you know, trying to go up and take candy from a baby. We're going to go up there and we're just going to annihilate them. Not true. They went up there and the Lord allowed them to just get their tail whooped. As a matter of fact, literally, if you read it in scripture, they were running back as the people from AI were chasing them. It was horrible. It was a disaster. They knew that something was wrong. They had done everything they thought at that point. Achan's sin, what he did wrong, caused a lot of other people to lose their life. But it doesn't stop there. Achan was also taken out and killed. All of his, all of his household goods were burned. Everything. Sin caused this man and his family and a lot of other people to die. Why? Because the world system had gotten into the desires of his eyes. And here's the third thing. The pride, or some scripture says the boastful pride of life or life and possessions. What does it mean? This is what happens. We always, always are trying to outdo other people. Why? We want to look better. Here's the way that it looks. We say this in the Egan household, and it's true. If somebody cuts somebody else down or is talking bad about them, do you know why? Because that person is insecure. That person is feeling like they're not good enough, so they want to make sure that somebody is underneath them. Why? Because we're prideful people. What does pride look like today? Well, a lot of people, once you get my age, a lot of people start to buy houses that they can't really afford. They start to buy vehicles that they can't really afford. They make sure that, that maybe that their kids are in some of the, the best of the best clubs or schools or, or organizations that they can't really afford. Or maybe they, they overextend themselves when it comes to clothing or technology or different things. Uh, Apple is kind of one of those things that people have. And man, they are just like running in massive droves to the stores to buy these things. And you know, even when they can't afford them. Why? Because they want people to think that they're better than what they appear to be. It's pride. 
And I know you're probably sitting here and you're thinking, dude, I'm not even close to marriage. I don't even like boys or girls at this point in my life. Uh, you know, whatever the case is, and, you know, if you're a high schooler, they're all like, that ain't me anymore. Uh, and I get that. I was a high schooler at once, too. Um, but my, my point is this. You're like, that's not me. I don't. Here's where it is with you guys. We talked about this um, back at the Collide pre-rally. Social media. Why don't you ever put something bad on social media? Take a picture of yourself when you're just getting out of bed and you got that big old fat zit on your forehead. This is the real me. Why? No. We don't want people to see us in that way. We go in there and we like crush that volcano and clean it off the mirror afterwards. Put some stuff on there to, to blend in with our skin. Get our makeup all done up or doodle up our hair, whatever it is that we do. Uh, if you still got hair, uh, you know, we, we do all that stuff. And then we like take a selfie. But you don't use the first selfie. You got to go through like 50 selfies to make sure the light's right, make sure your hair's parted in the right way. Oh, holy cow, you got my bad side. So now we got to go this way and take it. We do this all the time until we get just the perfect one. And then bam, we put it up on social media. Why? Because we're prideful people. Pride of life. Pride of possessions. Remember when I started this, I said that the things that you struggle with now are the same things that everyone has struggled with since creation, it plays out that way. The means that you struggle with it change. Pride is pride. We still have a problem with that. Um, That's what we want to do. We're trying to impress people. Uh, And here's the thing. Once one of these areas, you know, uh, desires of the eyes, desires of the flesh, pride and possessions, once one of these areas takes over in our life, It shows because we stop appreciating God's love for us and we stop desiring to do his will. One of those two ways. Now, here's where it comes up. This does not happen all of a sudden. You don't just one day get out of bed and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm a prideful punk. It happens over time. How many of you guys have ever seen the show? It's on Netflix called Travelers. I kind of figured that. You guys aren't smart enough to watch that. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) It is. All right. Let me me get somewhere where you guys are. Hold on a minute. How many of you guys have watched Stranger Things? There's my people. Okay. All right. I was about to say, you guys do know what Netflix is, right? Um, if you're my age in this room, you need to watch Stranger Things because my whole thing is I'm like, it is amazing how they captured the 80s perfectly. Perfectly. I mean, there's a thousand people on set, and that one person walking across isn't walking across in like some like 21st century like bling or something like that. I'm like, holy cow, even the person way, way in the back has got on a members only jacket. That's ridiculously good. There's a trapper keeper in the locker. I mean, even the trash cans are from the 80s. It's amazing. So, but anyway, so with, with the show Travelers, they all of a sudden change, and you guys have to watch that. But this is not how this works for us. It's something that starts subtly over time and moves forward with us. How does it do this? You don't start with like the big stuff. It's like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to be a lush drunk today. Why? I just feel like it. It's a day that ends in Y. I'm gone. No, it's not how it happens. 
This whole thing starts off this way. And this, this is just an example, but this is one of the ways. We start focusing on, I don't know, celebrities and idolizing them. Why? Because they're rich, they're famous, they are so good looking. There's a dude that sings. He's pretty hot. I'm just joking. I'm not a Bieber dude. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying you idolize him. I'm just joking. But, but that's really, that's how it starts with some people. And you're thinking, that's not me. All right, here's another thing. This, this is where Christians really struggle. Hold your toes up. I'm about to stomp all over those things. We idolize pastors. We put Louis Giglio on a pedestal. We put Matt Chandler on a pedestal. We put John Piper on a pedestal. We put, who's some others we put on pedestals? John MacArthur, we put him on a pedestal. Vody Bauckham, that's my dude. I've put him on a pedestal. We unfortunately start to idolize these people. Why? Because they preach the word. And we say they do it in such a way why? And we say that they're successful. Why? Because they have thousands of people that come to their church. But I can tell you, one of the most successful pastors has just been released from his church. Why? Alcoholism. Every single person will fall. The only person that we should ever idolize is God. God's word. Again, Listen to what I'm saying. These things aren't bad in themselves. It's not bad to watch TV. But if TV becomes your God and your grades start tanking, your, your spiritual walk starts to go apart, that's bad. If you start putting more credit in what another pastor says than what God's Word says, you've stepped over the line. Remember when I first started this, I said that it's not always the bad things. Good things can do, cause us to do bad things. These are bad things. Listen to podcasts. I listen to podcasts. I hope that you guys listen to one, two podcasts all the time. This one in the weekly dose. We've got Ryan Matherly. I mean, come on. Who the heck needs Vody Bauckham or something like that? And Vody, if you're listening to this, I'm very sorry. I'm still coming to Africa soon. No. But you see what I'm saying? This is how it starts. We start this way. We start allowing the love of God and the desires to do his will. We start allowing other things to take those place. Now, I know you're like, Bob, how can that not enhance my desire to do what God wants us to do? Well, I know some people that have surrendered their life to ministries, to missions, or whatever the case is, and then a girl or a guy has steered them off from their path. Not good. Now, you could say, well, that wasn't a true calling. Was it or was it not? How do we know that their desire to be with this person and marry this person did not pull them away from what God wanted them to do? Worldliness. Stay in the Word. Keep reading. Um, now, so we've, we've laid this up, and I'm going to go through this last part really fast. I took a long time to build up exactly what worldliness is. Now, here's my question. How do we conquer this giant? How do we conquer the giant of worldliness? It's found in the passage of scriptures right before it. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. 
I'm going to read it and I'm going to explain it because you're, you're going to be like, like I was. I'm like, what? I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I am writing to you, children, because you have known the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. All right, that sounds like he's repeating a lot of stuff. So what's he referring to? Let me tell you. All right, little children literally is this. This is all believers, all of you that are believers. Why do I say this? Because in the original language, that literally means born ones is what that means. Every single one of you, God sees you as his precious little child. My wife is in her 40s. You like what I did there? Um, Her dad still sees her as his little girl. 100%. If he was here, ask him. I don't care how old Gabrielle gets. Where she is in life, she will always be my little girl. It's just a term of endearment. That's literally what it means, what God is saying. Little children. He's saying this, all right? So that, that's what that means. If, if, you have, if you've been saved, if, you are, if you're a Christian, then you're adopted into the family. The Greek word is hyothesia. Go look that up sometimes. It, it holds a lot of weight. So in other words, the moment you're saved, you have all of the same rights and privileges as those other people that have been walking the faith for 50 years. It's not like you've got to earn your way in. It's you're in or you're out. When you're in, bam, you're in. You are a little child of God at that point. Now, what John is telling us here, there are three kinds of Christians in the body. He's saying that there are fathers, young men, and little children. Fathers are those that are very mature believers, that don't really battle with worldliness. The person that comes to mind for me with this, Clyde Hampton. He's a father. He doesn't struggle with worldliness. Trust me. We, we sit with him all the time, and we ask him this. I don't go watch movies. I would rather do real life than go watch something fake. That, that's him. He doesn't struggle with worldliness or anything like that. He is definitely one of these people that's mature, knows God, has walked with God for a long time, doesn't struggle with this. Young men, the young men are conquerors. Why do I say this? Look what it says here in the passage. He says, I write to you, young men, because you are strong, Um, it says, because you have overcome the evil one. Who's the evil one? Satan. That's yeah, that's okay. Don't be afraid to say it. Mm. Satan. Let me hear you say it. There. Feels good. Now jump up and down on Satan. No, uh, that's a children's church song, but it's really cool. But they have overcome Satan. Here's my question. How do the young men overcome Satan? Look in your Bible. You can read. What does it say? Right there. You're open to the page. Stay strong. Okay. What else? Somebody just read what verse 13 says. Oh, sorry. I the wrong verse. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm sorry. Go read the end of verse 14. Somebody. I'll know that you're volunteer because you're going to start reading. Go. Go. Bang, stop right there. How do they overcome the evil one? By what? The word of God. 
Now, here's my thing. They have overcome evil. How? By the word of God. They've overcome worldliness. How? By the word of God. You look at what scripture says. You read scripture. You spend time in scripture. You pray to God. You meditate on scripture. You, you, you attend Bible studies. You, you go to church. Um, you're involved in other Christian organizations. You do all that. Why? Because you are constantly battling worldliness. The way that you overcome worldliness is by the sword, the Word of God. That's how you do it. Now, they're not fully mature yet because they're still, they're still growing, but they know that, hey, I don't have all the answers, but I know that in the Bible they are, and I'm going to look to the Bible to help me with things of life and how I overcome these things. Let me press on. Little children. Now, I know that it sounds like he's repeating himself, little children, and then it says children. Little children in the first part refers to all believers. The second part, at the end of verse 13, when it's talking about little children, again, not that you care about this, but just to prove the point, there's a different word. It's a different word that was used in the Greek. It literally means the idea of immature ones, ones that still were sitting under a teacher or a tutor. They were still being taught. They were in, but they were growing Case in point, remember when you first got saved, you had a lot of questions. You were like, man, how do I know that? How do I know such and such? Well, let me show you. It's in the Bible. You see that? Oh, okay. They are very immature. They're babes in Christ. They're still growing. So what he's done is John has given us the Christian family right here. You're, you're in the family, but you're, you're very, very immature. You've matured some. You're growing. Or you've matured a lot more, and you're... You, you're a man. You don't really struggle with some of the things that you used to. Now, how do, I, how do I prove to you that that works? Think about your life to where when you first got saved, think about some of the things that you struggled with then that maybe you don't struggle with now. And I'm not saying that your life is struggle-free. Friend, hear me when I say this. Your life will never be struggle-free until you lay your head back and you fall asleep. In other words, until you die. At that point, your life will be struggle-free. But until then, you're still going to have struggles. Why? Because we are in this world. So that's what he's talking about. Now, the world is passing away. Yes, that's why it is so important for us to know what God's will is. For us to continue to be in awe that God loves me. For us to continue to want to do God's will in our life. See, so many times when our, 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 our vision starts getting clouded, worldliness starts to come in. Why? Because we're like, man, church isn't that fun anymore. I'm going to give you a newsflash. And I'm not here to make you happy. I'm here to show you what holiness is about. This is not about fun. This is about worship. If you come here and you're disappointed because we're not doing fun things, keep coming because one day God's going to get a hold of you and teach you that this is not about you. It's about God. And if that's what we've taught you, we've missed the mark. You want to have fun that's very shallow? Go do other things. But my job is to show you the word 
Because worldliness is a real thing. And I promise you better get a hold of it because it will get a hold of you. How do I know this is true? Because most people that are just like Brian Ritchie, there's a 75% chance that when he walks across the stage at graduation, he will never step foot in a church again. That is scary. I'll be honest, that's what keeps me up at night. And if you think I'm lying, ask my wife. Because she'll say, honey, why are you sitting up on the edge of the bed? I don't take this light. I am trying my best to raise a group of fierce, radical warriors for Jesus Now, we're going to have fun. We're going to play. We're going to do stupid things. We're going to duct tape people to the wall like we've used to back in the old days. Some of you guys remember that and stuff. We're going to play speak out, stupid games, maybe give you a prize or something like that. If you bring a guest, we're going to give them a gift card to go get some ice cream. Why? Because we want you to bring guests. Why? Because Not because we're going to entertain them so much, but we're going to give them Jesus. Speak out will not change someone's life. You know what will? Realizing that you're drowning in worldliness and the only thing that can save you is the life preserver that God throws you. You know what name is written on the side of that life preserver? Jesus. That's it. Worldliness is a real thing. It will get a hold of you. What do you do? How do you overcome it? I know it sounds cliche, but get into the Word. Read the Word. Realize that this is going on. Understand what God's will is for you in your life. Look at what we've talked about here as I close. The band is coming up in 1 John chapter 12 through 14. We showed you that the way to conquer this is to be a maturing believer in Christ. Romans chapter 12. People say, how do I begin to understand God's will for my life? Look right here. This is where it starts. This is what I need for you guys to understand. It starts this way. Surrender. One of the things I was telling one of the coaches yesterday, it's about surrender. Now, I'm about to step on cultural upbringings from churches. Let me tell you what it's not about. It's not about inviting Jesus into your heart. Let me tell you why. What was your name again? Eli, that's right. Hezekiah. Strong name, baby. Eli, if I invite invite you into my house, and you happen to sit in my favorite chair, what am I going to do? I'm probably going to be like, hey, Eli, bro, it's good to have you, man. Whatever we do. But that's my chair. I'm going to need for you to sit over there. I'm still going to tell you what to do. But if Eli and I face each other out on the battlefield, and he is victorious, and I surrender to him, he can go and sit in any chair he wants to in my house. 
That's the difference between surrender and invitation. It starts with surrender. Romans 12.1 says this, that we are to surrender. We're to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. But what about this world, Bob? It says, do not be conformed to this world that you may prove or know by your experience what is good. And I'll be honest, most of what I've said tonight is for Joe Christian. Because let's be honest, there's nothing more than Satan that Satan wants to do than to kill, steal, and, and rob us of our joy, our fulfillment of living and walking out the Christian walk. That's what most of this is for. But here's the thing. If you sit in here tonight and you're not a Christian, I don't care if you've been doing the church thing for years. You will never, ever experience joy and peace until you let go of the world. The world is always changing. God never does. Are you frustrated? Let go. Are you scared? Let go. Are you anxious? Let go. Let go of your life. Surrender to Jesus. I want to invite you to do that tonight. I'm going to pray for you. And as we sing, if you want to let go and just give your life to Christ, come talk to me. I'll be standing right there in the back. But if you're like, dude, I just need to pray with somebody. I'm a Christian, but I've been doing some rough stuff. I promise you will not be the first person this week that we've prayed with. Come and pray. Come and pray.